0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolias First. For more information, visit www.magnoliasfirst.org. I want you to imagine with me that you and I have just stepped into a time warp. And as we emerge, we are in a room some more than 2,000 years earlier a room in Jerusalem where the week after Jesus' ascension, his disciples have gathered. And these would be the people that Jesus would entrust the spread of his message to the people of their day and to the generations that would follow. And as you look around the room, who do you see? You would expect that there would be rabbis, men who are greatly educated in the things of the Old Testament Scripture. Perhaps you would expect there would be powerful orators who could sway great crowds with their speech. You would expect, expect there would be gifted leaders who would have the ability to influence and to organize people into a great movement that would change the world of their day and would last for centuries. But as you look around the room, there are none of those caliber of people at all. There are instead fishermen and an ex-tax collector and just plain, ordinary men. The last people you would expect to be able to start a movement that would change the course of human history. So how is it possible that that ragtag collection of very ordinary, nondescript men could be the ones that God used to change the world of their day and the world in which we still live with the gospel, to do things so far beyond anything they could have ever hoped or dreamed possible. What happened? Well, today we're going to see the back story and the answer to that question, and we're going to see, and this is the good part for me and you, that he offers the very same thing he gave them to us today. The series is entitled Unashamed, The Power of Your Story. And it's stories like Michelle's that we heard just a moment ago that God uses again and again and again to spread the gospel. Your story may not be a conversion from Mormonism. Your story may be entirely different, but God intends to use every one of our stories, if we are Christ followers, to spread the good news of Christ. And so today, we're looking at the secret to the power of our stories. And I pray that you will see that God wants to do far more in your life and in your story than you ever dreamed or imagine you know we think of great heroes of the bible we think of of joseph who went from prison to being a powerful ruler in egypt and saved many lives we think of shadrach meshach and abednego who were thrown into the fiery furnace but escaped unscathed to to testify of the glory of god we think of daniel in the lions den who was thrown in the midst of, of hungry lions and yet uh, the Lord protected him and on and on the apostle Paul who was beaten and shipwrecked and stoned and we think of these men uh, of the bible and women like Esther and Ruth and others and and, and we we think of them as like superheroes and, and we think there's some kind of different level of person than we are. But in reality, they were just ordinary human beings who experienced in their life the power of God. And that's what we want to see today that God wants to put in the midst of our story. Here's our big idea for today. You don't have to write your story in your own strength but in the power of God. So, I'm going to take you to a lot of different passages of Scripture. You'll probably want to just follow along on the screen, perhaps make a note or two if you're a note-taker. But we're going to begin with Acts chapter 1. It is just before Jesus' ascension. And he commissions his disciples to spread the gospel. He says, though I'm going away, you will not be alone. You will not be powerless. Here is your commission, Acts eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He is saying to those individuals, you are to go live your lives on mission for the gospel, but you will not do so alone or powerless. You will have the very person of Jesus in the form of the Holy Spirit who will bring great power. And so we as Christ followers today might ask, well, where is that power in my life? How do I access that power? How can I be strong where I am weak? How can I do things that I am not humanly capable of doing? How can I keep from doing things I know I shouldn't do? How do I access the power Well, first and foremost, it is rooted in a personal connection and relationship with Jesus Christ. John describes it in his gospel, John chapter 15, Jesus' words beginning with verse 5. He said, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. For you to have the power of God in your life, you must live in harmony with Christ. You must be committed to that relationship and to the teachings of Christ. And it is not something that you earn or accomplish. It is something, this is key, to which you surrender. To which you surrender. All of us must decide in our lives to what will we surrender? As Christ followers, we decide many times every day to either surrender to the presence and power of Christ or surrender to our sinful, carnal natures. We must decide which one that we will give our hearts to at any given moment the Apostle Paul understood this constant inner spiritual warfare look at what he said in Galatians 5 verse 16 and 17 he said so I say let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves the sinful nature wants to do evil which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Now look at this last sentence. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. The quality and course of your life as a Christ follower will be determined by who you say yes to in the thousands of inner decisions you make in the course of your life. And here's the point. When you choose Christ, when you choose the way of the Spirit, then the path to the power of God is opened to your life. When you choose the sinful nature, the carnal nature, the selfish nature, the power of God, the flow of his power is cut off. But when you choose Christ, the power of God is at work. That's what Paul meant when he said in Philippians 4.13, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. It's, It's a kind of mirror image paradigm in that when we want to be strong, when we want to be in charge, when we want to have control, we cut off the flow of the power of God. Here's one, I, one thing I've noticed getting older. I can't do a lot of things I used to do. Anybody else identify with that? Some of the things that we used to be able to do, we just can't do anymore. And that bothers us because getting weaker is something that we, we don't want to do because we lose Control And yet Paul learned the weaker he became, the stronger Christ could become in him and through him. Paul had what he called a thorn in the flesh. It was some kind of physical disease, some kind of optical issue, I believe. And he begged God to take it away because it made him weak. But here was God's response, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Each time he, God, said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So Paul, when he understood that, it changed everything. He goes on in verse 9. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses. Look at this. So that the power of Christ can work through me. It changed his whole understanding. Verse 10, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. In other words, I don't whine and cry and complain anymore when things aren't exactly like I want because I now understand it's my weakness that allows the power of God To be at work. He ends that verse by saying, For when I am weak, then I am strong. But you have a problem with that. And you know how I know that? Because I have a problem with that. We don't want to be weak, we don't like to be weak. We want to be strong, we want to be in control, we want to be large and in charge. And when we're not, it bothers us. And yet, that's the exact thing that is needed for the power of God. I believe there are some spiritual essentials for the power of God to flow freely in and through us. You wonder what they are? I'm glad you asked. I'm about to tell you. There are four of them. So follow me, please. First of all, I believe you need the humility to surrender the humility to surrender, and that's not easy for us. You see, the power of Christ comes from surrender to Christ. Here's what Jesus said, Matthew 16, 24. Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll find it. Do you see the, the opposite dynamic going on there? Paul came to understand that, that it wasn't his ability to live better for Christ. It was his ability to surrender so that Christ could live through him. He described it like this in that famous verse, Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Here's what Here's what Paul learned. A half-hearted Christian life will never know the power of God fully. A one foot in the kingdom and the other foot in the world approach to the Christian life will never be a life that is filled with the power of God. If you trusted Jesus by faith, you're saved and your eternal life is secure because that's what Christ did for us, not what we did for ourselves. But the power of God for daily living is not going to be known in a life that is only mediocre and shallow in its commitment to Christ. It is only in a full surrender. So it is the humility to surrender that opens the key. And then secondly, you must have faith in God's plan for your life. In other words, you don't try to just make your own course, write your own story, chart your own path on your own. You believe that God has a plan for your life. That you are to discover and to follow as he gives you direction and power. That's what faith. You know what what my my definition of faith is? Trusting God for what you cannot see. I kind of base that on Hebrews 11.1. From the New Living it reads like this. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. And I like this. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. This is so important to know the power of God. How important is it to have this kind of faith? Look at verse 6 in Hebrews 11. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who what? Who sincerely seek him who sincerely, who diligently, who passionately seek him, his plan, his way. Hebrews 11 is such a rich chapter. If you read it, it has a list of Old Testament people who had great faith. It's called by some the, the hall of fame of faith in Hebrews 11. And after that, recounting of all those great people of faith, here's what the writer says, verse 33, about what they were able to experience through their faith. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. That's pretty impressive, don't you think? Their weakness was turned to strength that's a key sentence their weakness was turned to strength by faith they became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight to believe that God has a plan for your life and by faith you pursue that plan diligently and then the next thing that is key is discernment of God's will If God has a plan, if he has a will, then you need spiritual discernment to know what that will is. Again, the Apostle Paul talked about the importance of that, as did the writer of Hebrews. So look first at Hebrews 10, verses 35 and 36. The writer says, So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will, look, continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. Uh, Paul's faith in this, Paul's understanding of this is illustrated in a a snapshot story from the book of Acts. So I'm going to hit this quickly. Go with me. Acts 16, verses 6 through 10. Paul and Silas are on a missionary journey, and they're trying to follow the the plan of God. They're trying to discern the will of God to know where to go and where to preach and where to spread the gospel. So look at this quickly. Acts 16, beginning with verse 6. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north to the province of Bithynia, but again the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead they went through Mysia into the seaport of Troas, that night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave from Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Don't you wish God would send you a vision like that? Sometimes to know what his will is. People sometimes ask me, Pastor, how do you know what God's will is? I did a whole sermon series on that several years ago. And there's no short answer, but let me give you a statement that I I think really is a key. If you seek God's will with a surrendered heart, you will find it. If you seek the will of God with a heart that's already surrendered to whatever God's will is, when you need to know what God wants you to do, he'll tell you. He will find a way. He will not play hide-and-seek guessing games with you. At the right time, in the right way, you will be able to discern the will of God. And there's the power. And then there's just one more thing, and I'm done. One more thing you need if you're going to live in the flow of the power of God to write the rest of your story, and it's determination and perseverance. Determination and perseverance. That you won't give up. The Apostle Paul liked to use the image of a race. I often tell our pastoral staff that ministry is a marathon, not a sprint, and Paul used that imagery of a race. Look, 1 Corinthians 9, 24. He said, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize, so run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize and then Paul said so I run with purpose in every step I'm not just shadow boxing I discipline my body like an athlete training it to do what it should otherwise I fear that after preaching to others I myself might be disqualified Paul says, I'm going to discipline myself. I'm going to run this race. I'm going to be determined. I'm going to persevere to the end. Did he do that? Well, I bet you know this verse from 2 Timothy 4, 7 that came much later, right at the end of Paul's life. And here's what Paul said. I have fought the good fight. Say this next part with me. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. That's what God wants from us. If we're going to run the race all the way to the end, we must have determination and perseverance. God will supply the power, but we have to be disciplined enough to apply it. He has provided the power to live the victorious, faithful Christian life, but we must not throw away that divine resource that He has provided for us. And so Paul encouraged those believers in Galatia to stay the course, to run the race. Here's what he said to them in Galatians 6 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. If you and I will determine to persevere To keep on being faithful. To be faithful when it's easy. To be faithful when it's hard. To be faithful at all the times in between. If we are faithful, our God will be faithful to us. So these two words of encouragement and I'm done. Number one, give up trying to live the Christian life in your strength. You'll never be successful. Learn to live in the power of God. So number two is begin to walk in daily dependence on his power. Get up every day saying, God, I'm not sufficient for this, but your grace is sufficient. I admit, in fact, I celebrate my weakness so that your power might be in me. Listen. You don't have to write your story in your own strength. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for my own life and for the lives of every one of these who are here in the worship center as well as those watching online those listening to this podcast, whoever, Lord, has heard this message, I pray that they would learn to live not in their own strength and power, but in the mighty power of God, the same power that delivered Daniel from the lion's den, the same power that allowed Joseph to forgive his brothers and save the lives of many, the same power that directed and empowered the Apostle Paul to change the world as a catalytic missionary for you. And Lord, help us to live in that same Holy Spirit power. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Have a great week.